Hey, hey, Collaborist, I'm Ben Leroy. And I'm Jason Buckholtz. And you are listening to Collaborcast. How's it going, Jay? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back here in front of the mic with you, my friend. Likewise, likewise. Thanks good to time. everybody who has been eagerly awaiting the next episode of Collaborcast here. Yeah, and one, I want to thank Caitlin, because Caitlin has got the patience of a saint, and she is the best producer in the world. The other thing, in the interest of full transparency, dear collaborists, audience, uh, we've been trying to take a measured and researched and learned approach to episode topics and guests so that we can make sure that we give you all of the information you really need. If there is a particular topic that you would like covered on a future episode of CollaborCast, please feel free to email info at collaborist.org and let us know. Hey, Jay, what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking about the difference between memoir and autobiography with an eye towards the uh, aspiring writer. Many, and this is something that we see a lot in our work, we see aspiring memoirists who don't fully appreciate the difference between autobiography and memoir. This is a very sexy topic in the media, definitely for sure. Definitely. Um, so we wanted to cover that today and, and provide some information and some guidance for those who are at the beginning stages of planning a memoir or thinking about writing a memoir. I guess those are the same things. And later um, on in this episode, I'm going to be answering 6 million questions from the Reddit subreddit writing uh, because it's the same question being asked daily multiple times. So I'm just going to go ahead and answer 600 questions at once. Probably some sort of Guinness Book of World Records type thing. Speaking of the Guinness Book of World Records, we have a little bit of a hobby in this house. My daughter is very into the Guinness Book of World Records. Excellent. And my son takes an interest, but the teenager son takes an interest when the records get really bizarre and obscure. And I think I found the weirdest one this morning. Hit me. The most bags of water sliced open by a sword while driving a tractor on two wheels in one minute. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So this guy is driving a tractor as you would need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's part of it. It's a ramp, gets on two wheels, got a sword hanging out the window. As you do. Driving by these bags on two wheels. I think he did 20 in a minute. Uh, I can definitely do 25, 30. I I got this. Sometimes you're just accidentally, you know, you're just going about your day and just find yourself accidentally slicing through bags of water while driving your tractor on two wheels. Hey, it happens. I'm pretty sure I can hit 25 or 30, and I'm not sure that I want to continue recording this podcast because I think I got a tractor date. So yeah, when you bring up Guinness records, my brain just goes to some, it's, it's some very strange associations begin popping up because my brain is populated with lots of weird world records these days. Is the Guinness book as popular with the kids today as it was when we were youth? My daughter can't get enough of it. Okay. So, I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear that. It used to be a big deal. I mean, you would wait around for the 
the New Year's edition and you would see like who was the tallest person. And it was always Robert Wadlow. But you didn't know. Could be that in 12 months because you didn't have the Internet back then. It could be that they found somebody who was 15 feet tall. How would I know? I I didn't have the Guinness Book of World Records to know that Robert Wadlow was the tallest human. I don't know. I mean, just even that, the fact that I remember that Robert Wadlow was the tallest human being is testament to the power of the Guinness Book of World Records. A book. Testament to the power of a book, shall we say. Yeah, indeed. Hey, Jay, why don't we just go ahead and jump right in? Because people don't like the chit-chat. Why don't you just go (laughs) ahead and... Talking about books, though. Yeah. Well, I know, but you know how people are today with their, I need immediate content so I can hustle and grind my way to a fortune. Uh, Why don't you set up the confusion around autobiography and memoir. What is the confusion that people have? I will get to that. Oh, um, I had a, I, I first, I wanted to plug a book oh, okay, of books please do. that I uh, finished reading yesterday morning. And um, I have probably a dozen of my top five books that I would take to a desert Island. This is one of the, this is one of the new entries. I don't kick anything off the list when I bring new books onto that list, but this is, this is the art of solitude by Stephen Batchelor. If you happen to be watching this on YouTube, you can see the cover of it here. Uh, It's a thin book, 156 pages uh, prior to the appendices. Uh, Stephen Batchelor is a Buddhist monk who just writes this really beautiful collection of short pieces. Uh, this has been compared to kind of a tapestry of, of writings. Um, has just spent a long time engaging in and contemplating solitude. Uh, 2020, Yale University Press. Highly, highly recommend it. Um I'm going to read just one line that Please. I came across that just floored me. Um, this is from chapter 16. Okay, the practice of... So this isn't the, the, the quick one quick sentence to set up the next sentence. The practice of Zen is about coming to terms with the question of who and what you are. Allow yourself to be a mystery for yourself rather than a set of more or less interesting facts. Mm. And I had to, I was, I was sitting in a a pho restaurant by myself reading that book over dinner when that, uh, when I came across that line and it was kind of one of those moments where I had to forgot where I was for a solid 10 minutes and um, had to reread it about five times and just kind of, sit there and 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 bask in that i heard a similar line yesterday saying that the student has more fun than the teacher because it's the constant exploration and i think that they're simpatico at least the idea of just don't ever know anything be like socrates as i older i get the less i feel like i have a grasp on anything absolutely and that's it's humbling at first and then it's freeing after that to just say i don't know could be might be possibly 
also wanted to um, introduce a uh, sporadically and randomly occurring segment that I'm calling Notes from a Line Editor. Awesome. Before we get into the memoir autobiography thing. So people have asked us what our, our different interests are, what makes us complementary in this here collaborist business. And one of the things that makes us complementary is that I like line editing and you don't. I hate it. <laughs> I it happen- to say, actually, the hate is actually just disguising an inability to be proficient at it. That is what it comes down to. I don't really hate it. I'm just not good at it. And therefore, I try to minimize as much as I can how much of it I do. Fair enough. Um, maybe you don't know how to do it because you hate it. Could be. That could be. That could, could be. That could be. That could be the case, too. But um, I kind of love it, which is why I have on my most English teachery V-neck Argyle sweater today so that I can talk about a couple things I came across. Um, I'll make this quick because not everybody loves capitalization and apostrophes, but this just was interesting to me from a, a language standpoint. I had to look up for a client how to capitalize wines. This is the most California of of editing questions. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty California. <laughs> this was this was a wormhole that was so unbelievable. I even had to tell my teenager about it. And he, of course, he never wants me to talk to him at all. <laughs> but even he had to be like, what, what? So here are the rules for capitalizing wines. If a wine is named for a place and it comes from there, you capitalize it, like Chianti from Chianti. If the wine is named for a place but does not come from there, you don't capitalize it. So Chianti from California would be lowercase. If the wine is named after a grape, don't capitalize it unless the grape is named after a place and the wine comes from that place. If the name, if the wine is named for a place and it comes from there, but the name has changed slightly from the place to the wine, then you don't capitalize it. Port comes from Oporto. Dropped a couple of O's, became just port, so you don't capitalize it, even though it's named after a place. All of that courtesy of our friend William Sapphire at the New York Times. You might have heard of that, and he's a type of guy who has to think have about to have that knowledge, yeah. blog about them, so nerds like me can go and find it. All right. Podcast titles should be italicized. Okay. And one other, one other segment is... Uh, pluralizing letters so if you say like i got all a's on my mm-hmm. report card a's pluralizing a would have an apostrophe because a s is a different word okay the four letters for which that is the case are i a m and u so ms becomes ms us becomes us so those all need apostrophes in order to pluralize them I don't okay. know why you would need to talk about multiple U's, but I suppose you would sometime. That is why the W was created. <laughs> Perhaps. Scientifically speaking, I'm sure. Pluralizing all other letters, you don't need an apostrophe. Now, see, I think that that's interesting. Notes from a line editor, volume one. I, I think that's interesting because how would you pluralize a B 
just BS. Uh huh. But see, like <laughs> that means something. It if you have periods, if it's if it's an initialism, which is different than an acronym, which we can get into <laughs> in a different <laughs> Boy, howdy, nerdy segment. <laughs> How about memoirs? <laughs> Let's get out of here. As okay, yeah, quickly as possible. Rejecting from this. Subscribers are unsubscribing as quickly as they can. So, memoir versus autobiography. Which should you write? First question would be, are you a major celebrity? With tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who already want to know every single thing possible about you. Let's, if you can answer yes to that, then autobiography is what you want to write. Let's role play this. I am someone who is coming to you that has told you that I want to write my, my story. All right. Hello, Taylor Swift. Thank you hey. for calling Collaborist. <laughs> Sorry it took us so long to get back to you. We're very busy. <laughs> yeah, so um, you wanted to uh, write something for your global audience of adoring fans? Is that yeah, the I case? Yeah, I feel like I could squeeze out another $50, 70000000 million with the book. What do you got for me? Yeah, I think you should write an autobiography because people like my daughter want to know every single thing about you possible so just throw it all in the book no piece of information is too obscure or unrelated everything has to do with you and everybody wants to know everything about you so so if i wanted to book. discuss perhaps a minor incident from second grade that would be relevant in my autobiography you should go through and write about every single day of second grade you should write an entire volume of just what second grade was like <laughs> taylor T.S., the second grade years. <laughs> year. <laughs> Pretty confident she probably made it through in one year. Probably. Um, yes, though, you should, you, Taylor Swift, should write about every possible thing you can and put it in that book. Okay, now. Different phone call? Yeah, now it's, <laughs> now it's just Ben. I'm just calling you up and I have some advice. Hey, man, I'm thinking about telling a story and writing from my own point of view, uh, nonfiction. What do you suggest? Yes. So memoir is what is left to those of us who are not Taylor Swift or Michelle Obama or people with kind of that level of name recognition. LeBron James could probably write himself an autobiography. Um, for the rest of us, there is memoir. And the major difference is that the autobiography is the story of someone's life, and it presupposes an interest in that life. Memoir is about, it, it is about someone's life, but it is about a very focused part of that life, whether it is a particular period of time or a particular theme, a particular topic that has been relevant that is that is story worthy over perhaps several years or or however long um by story worthy is probably not a i i believe that in the hands of of a very talented writer and observer of the world even a, a long afternoon at the dmv could be turned into a compelling piece of writing um, most of us don't have the level of, of skill and minute observation required to really bring an afternoon at the DMV to life. So 
most of us, uh, well, a lot of clients come to us and they say, I've had a really interesting life. I want to write about it. Or my friends all tell me I should write a book. Um, I'm not really sure where to begin, where to end. So the place that we start with them is like, okay, well, what is what is the story that you want to tell? Where was the where is the transformation? What is the 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 theme or the period of time that you want to talk about? And there can be opportunities within that to touch on other aspects of of a life, but only in a way that really supports that central thesis, that central theme, that central topic. So for instance, um, I've done a lot of work on spiritual memoir. And so a, 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 a lot of people might want to write about their spiritual journeys, their, their, their oftentimes kind of a roller coaster relationship with faith, whatever it is that they believe in, whatever their kind of self-actualized journeys are um so then you you we would look for in a case like that you'd look for a very clear starting place and a clear ending place and the starting place is not i was born you don't have a story to tell from your infancy unless there was something that happened at birth it, around the circumstances of your birth that really has a significant influence on your spirituality or or whatever it is that you're that you're discussing so that that focus is is the first step and that is probably the most common mistake that we see from beginning memoirists is not having a clear focus I shouldn't say that. It, it's only a mistake if you decide to just kind of lean into the autobiographical angle and say, I'm going to write about my life. I'm going to just start writing about everything I can remember. I'm going to throw everything in here. That's going to be interesting to your family and your friends, people who already know you, people who are already interested in who you are. And there have definitely been times why I've worked with clients who thought they were writing a memoir about a very specific subject and then started getting into details that are outside of that. And I've had to have a conversation with people like we can make this the best autobiography ever written, but the only people who are going to care are your kids and then maybe your grandkids and then probably not your great grandkids. But sooner or later, uh, the audience will shrink to a very small amount. So it is something that I've had to have a conversation with people. They're saying, I notice that we're getting a little off track here. Do you want to proceed that way? Because some people do just want to have a legacy to leave behind to their family. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's if you're going to no. do it and you have the ability to do it completely with uh, – help and have it be as thorough and as possible we can work on it it's just there is the acknowledgement that there's not going to be much of an audience for it yeah and that's actually i think that's a wonderful thing to do i i think that more people should make written chronicles of their lives that they can pass. i mean i wish i knew more about my great grandparents i've i've done a lot of work through my own writing to research my ancestry the the things that i do have my my grandmother wrote quite a, a an extensive document on on her life and that's I, you know, I treasure having that um you know i my kids probably won't read it but it's it's I, I think it's a great thing to to leave your family um 
but yeah, if you are hoping to have an audience that's that's wider than people who already know you and who are already interested in you, then you've really got to tell a story that they can relate to. And it's some some type of transformation, some some, you know, a travel memoir might be another, you know, it's another uh, not uncommon type of memoir to write. Um, people are interested in travel. They're interested in the world and different cultures. And, um, you know, that could be another another angle to take, in which case you would you would really focus on that that topic and our our stories from your childhood really going to go into this well not unless they really inform the desire to travel the the lessons that you learn from it the other key thing though is that there really needs to be some type of transformation you might have taken an awesome trip to africa or wherever if there wasn't, if there isn't some type of arc to it, if there isn't some type of transformation, if you didn't learn something, if you didn't change, then it's really just going to be a collection of diary entries. It's a blog. It's a blog. And again, those are going to be read by your family, people who are interested in you already. But without that character arc, without a transformation, without lessons learned without some type of of new outlook at the end of the story it's not really something that most people are going to relate to it's, it's this and it's not something that's going to be published at least i mean traditional traditional it's not something that agents or publishers are going to be able to really sell to a larger audience yeah i'd say that you covered it so if you are interested in writing memoir if you have been knocking around some memoir ideas and and maybe starting to think about, well, I really should guess I should start at the beginning when I was born. Uh, drop us a note. We will be we work with people. We do coaching and can help you to really identify what the part of your story is that's that's memoir worthy. And I truly believe that everybody has something memoir worthy, even if you haven't. You know, I've been talking about like kind of big motions like spiritual journeys and international travel. It doesn't have to be that. I remember that I, I, the first class that I took in my MFA program was on memoir. We had to write our own memoirs and then we read uh, in conjunction with that writing workshop. We were also reading memoirs. One of them was a book called Fierce Attachments by Vivian Gornick. And it was really just an examination of her relationship with with her mom. Um, you know, some of the other ones that we read were a little more grandiose, not grandiose, but you know, her, just uh, just kind of more about like, well, for instance, one of them was uh, Andrew Pham's Catfish and Mandala. This is a, a, a Californian who was uh, his Vietnamese ancestry. He went back to Vietnam and rode all through Vietnam on his bike, um, just exploring the country, exploring who he was, exploring his parents' story, uh, his parents' immigration story. So that's obviously, you know, a very colorful story in and of itself. Vivian Gornick's was notable to me because it was just this really deep and close examination of this 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 very important relationship in her life. And it's been, you know, 20 plus years now since I've read it, but I, I, I do remember 
the the her lens on that and being able to turn that into you know she that's the type of writer who could make an afternoon at the at the DMV into something that would be studied in an, in an MFA program I so I also there, want to just say that of uh of note I am waiting for wonder producer Caitlin to write her memoir because she and I have been talking about it for a couple of years and she has a hell of a story to tell when she's ready to tell it and when she figures out what it looks like. But um, I just advise people to keep their eyes open for that. I'll be looking forward to that, producer Caitlin. Um, what did like, do you have a favorite memoir? Um, no, I can't say that I do. I, I loved wild Cheryl Strayed, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. Um, that is, that is such a beautifully structured book. I, I, I use that often in my editorial feedback. I tell a lot of aspiring memoirists to go read Wild because she does such a great job. So for those of you who are not familiar with the story, she hiked a major chunk of the Pacific Crest Trail. That is the, those are the bookends of the story. Um, begins at the beginning of the trail down at, you know, pretty close to the Mexican border or Mojave Desert, and then it ends when she reaches the the northern terminus of her hike. Um, but she uses that journey as a way to explore all of these other things in her life. So she has, you know, she's has all this time on the trail. Various things happen. She meets people. She's obviously doing a lot of thinking, a lot of introspection, thinking back to these relationships. And but it all it all ties into that journey. So it's a really marvelous example of how to structure a memoir so that you both have that key, very focused, very clear beginning and end of the story of your arc, your change. But, but, but that leaves you like plugs to get into other parts of your life, these little outlets where she can get in and explore this other aspect of her life. You know, her, her, relationship with her former husband her mom's death from cancer all these things come into it as she as she is taking this hike so i think you know from from a a, a teaching standpoint a working with client standpoint that's certainly one of my go-to's i am a big fan of michael gilmore's shot in the heart I, for a while, I would have told you that that was my favorite nonfiction book, period. And Joe Badgent's Deer Hunting with Jesus, those are both two that um, have been instrumental in my sort of getting a sense of issues around the death penalty, around family and loyalty. Um, there's there's a lot there that's really powerful when people are able to tell their story in a way that feels universal. I really love working with people on memoir. I mean, you and I are both novelists and we love novels. We love that 
art form. But there's something that is so intimate about working with a memoirist. There's something that that really Absolutely. feels like you are helping somebody to understand themselves in a way that that you don't really get with any other genre. So it's, yeah. it's such a huge honor to be brought in to help somebody write their own story and to help them to. I, I think it can be a hugely healing thing to do. I often say that we are unlicensed therapists using editing as a way to um, help people because we are helping them sort through what it is they want to say and make sure that they feel heard and make sure that they feel like they have said the vital thing that they want to say. And it can often be difficult. Often memoirists, you know, the period of time that they want to write about can be really traumatic and there might be a lot of unprocessed trauma left over. Mm -hmm. There could be, um, you know, some really scary memories to have to go back over and relive. And it isn't just a matter of, Oh yeah, I have occasional nightmares or occasional flashbacks. It's like I've, I've got to sit here for a week and rewrite this terrible account of what happened to me in great detail and relive this over and over. And um, yeah, it can be it can be a difficult process. And there are often there are often ghosts under the band-aids definitely and i think having a very understanding and supportive editor through that can be can be the difference between giving up and continuing yep i would agree all right can i move on to the reddit question let's move on okay so Six like million every questions. day here we go every day on uh on Reddit, on the writing subreddit, a hundred people, I'm not even exaggerating, a million people come in and they're like, okay, so would it be okay if I wrote a story about a guy, he's got a job, but then he loses his job and then he um, runs into a store and when he's in the store, he meets a celebrity. It's just, it's a whole daily thing of, is it okay to write this story? Yes, but you have to write it. You're not going to get permission. You're not going to get authority. You're not going to get meaningful feedback from people when you show up in a room full of strangers and give some very basic outlines about what happens during this story that you haven't even written yet. You haven't even written it. I could just sit here all day and be like, well, what if I wrote a story about no one cares? I don't mean to be harsh, but like no one can help you. No one can give you permission. Just write this story as a tacked on thing that goes with that. People ask permission. They'll be like, well, what if I wrote a story about a serial killer? Would that be too shocking? No, nothing that you are going to write is going to be too shocking. Nothing that you are going to write is going to be... Uh, outstandingly different than every other edgelord, troll, uh, well-intentioned, um, misguided person who has written a story that they too felt was shocking. It's just, it's not, there's no one that's going to give you permission. 
just stop asking this question. Just write. And when you do things like, well, is it okay if a character – just write. It doesn't matter. Whatever loose things that you're talking about are impossible to evaluate without actually seeing the words on the screen or on the page. It just – it doesn't matter. It, there's nothing that you can say that is going to give you any help. And I recognize that a lot of this is younger writers but I don't know where we got into a place where we are crowdsourcing idea approval for books. That's not a thing. Don't don't continue that. Don't perpetuate that. Just write. Just spend less time on the internet and more time writing. That is that soapbox. Additionally, I didn't clear this with Jason Buckholz, but I'm going to offer it. If you, dear collaborist, you watching and or listening to this right now, if you can write flash fiction about the DMV, about an afternoon at the DMV, <laughs> I, Ben, will review your query letter. You know what? Here's the thing. If you do it, if you just do it, and I see that you did it, and you have a query letter, I'll review your query letter for free. Not for this story, but whatever query letter you're working on. Or if you take this assignment seriously about writing about an afternoon at the DMV, I will read and uh, give you feedback on it. And that may be valuable because presumably whatever writing style and whatever writing inclinations you have when you're working on your story about an afternoon at the DMV, it's going to be consistent with your generalized writing style. So from me to you, Collaborist, let's just do that. Let's just write some stories about the DMV. Just, I'm talking 200 words, 250 words, 500 words maximum, because I'm definitely not going to read it if you go over two pages. I'm going to start skimming. So maybe we'll even read it here on a future episode. You know what? We'll if you new, give us permission, new feature DM dramatic feature. reading, <laughs> dramatic reading. This is, this is now an ongoing series. You just go ahead and submit your stories about an afternoon at the DMV, and JB and I will go ahead and read them on air. Get it. We'll get. We'll have our notes from a line editor. We'll talk about punctuation and apostrophes. We'll have our our DMV fiction hour, and then we'll move on. Yeah, <laughs> you guys, you guys, those of you who didn't like chit chat, hope you like DMV fiction because <laughs> it's coming. We're just passive aggressively podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I, I think that's enough. Have... I think that's all. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's enough of this for for this round. Yeah, that's this episode. If you enjoy it, God save your soul. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and subscribe, like, share it with your friends. Um, and like I said, we're we're gonna get through this holiday season. There'll probably be another episode or two still here in 2023, but we are actually building out a schedule with guests and topics and we'll be able to let you know a week in advance what the next episode is going to be and who's going to be joining us so that you can do your homework ahead of time if you choose to in between working on your dmv afternoon stories so they've already got homework yeah for uh, story for community it's collab <laughs>